0: Hello, welcome to our audio Bible study. This is lesson 15 out of 25 lessons and I pray that this entire series will help you know more about the God of the Bible. God bless and enjoy the series. Well, today we are going to be talking about health. Do you know the, according to the Global Wellness Institute, the global wellness industry is 4.5 trillion dollar big 4.5 trillion dollar big now how large is 4.5 trillion dollar well let's have a look what you can buy with 4.5 trillion let's look at it in this perspective the u.s in 19 1946 tried to buy the country of Greenland and in 1946 the US offered Greenland a hundred million dollars which is now perhaps worth in today's dollars 1.3 billion. So what this means is the wellness industry can buy at least 3,400 Greenlands by a country as big as Greenland, 3,500 of them. All this demonstrate how much interest the world has on health or wellness. You see, God's plan isn't just that we live long lives on this earth. God's plan is for us to live in eternity. What does the Bible say concerning our physical health? And is there a link between physical, and spiritual health? Well, the Bible contains the keys to a happy and healthy and a very long life. So today's lesson is about wellness, is about health. Let's go there now and explore it. Well, let's start. See, the subject of health is perhaps one of the most important subjects in the Bible. The Apostle John wished for his friends to prosper both physically and spiritually i mean whatever affects the health of a body will affect the whole person this what it means that it includes how the person feels the person thinks and how the person interacts in the relationship when we care about our body physically our minds will also be better a clear which means a clear and a sharp mind is more easily connected with the Lord and it provides a platform for true health and happiness. That's how important health is. In 1 John chapter 2, I quote, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. See, in the Bible, it links the health, spiritual health, directly with the physical health. That is why God share principles of good health with his people. And, and he gave his people health principles to protect them from illness and keep them from premature and, and unnecessary death. See, as our creator God, he knows what's best for our health. Many years ago, God gave us a number of principles that are still very important today, and we're going to explore that. Right at the beginning, Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, I quote, it says, You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you, unquote. This was written thousands of years ago. And not that long ago, almost two thousand years ago, Jesus did promise us something. The sort of life that Jesus promises was this: in John chapter ten, verse ten, it quote I quote, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly." Unquote. Jesus wants us to live our life in abundance. God's desire is that His people. While they're preparing for their everlasting life, God wants his people to live life of the fullest. God wants us to flourish, in other words, to live uh, live in abundance, an abundant lifestyle that includes the personal presence of Jesus, who longs to give us a life of health and happiness beyond our imagination. So what the Bible is saying here is while we are on this earth, we are to live And we are to plan to live in a healthy and abundant lifestyle. Well, the Bible is very clear about what he calls our body. The Bible is clear about that. Some people have the attitude that if this is my body, I can do whatever I like with it. But the human body was intended to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. As such, we have a responsibility to care for ourselves physically and emotionally to keep ourselves in the best possible condition to maintain a living, so that, in fact, that we can maintain a living relationship with God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This body is given to us to be looked after by us so that it is a holy place in which the Holy Spirit can dwell. 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, I quote, Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Therefore glorify God with your body, unquote. It's clearly stated in the Bible that the body is where the Holy Spirit is going to be living, indwelling. See, if the mind, our body, our mind is dull, communication with God is going to be made difficult and spiritual growth will be stunted. You see, when we have a vital and when we have a good health, it helps us understand the Bible. And when we have good health, it also establishes a closer connection with God. Well, as you can see now, how important being healthy is. And have you seen what the Bible is teaching about our body and how important it is to keep healthy. Well, what then does the Bible say about what are the practical ways we can enhance our health? Well, let's explore the Bible. 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 10, verse 23, I quote, Uh, chapter 10, verse 31, and I quote, Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do do it all to the glory of god Unquote. "now what does this mean well notice what it means is god wants us to glorify him in everything that we do including how we eat and drink it is easy to imagine ways of eating and drinking that are not to the glory of god in his words in god's words God has given us clear instructions as to how we can treat our body or treat our body as a temple, the, the body temple being the temple of the Holy Spirit, in a way that glorifies Him. Well, in a little while, we are going to be looking at what are the ways to keep our bodies healthy. More specifically, what are the things we ought to eat and what are the things we ought not to eat. Our Lord had very early in the pieces given and spoken to human family about his plans, about his health diet, if you like, or his diet plans. Say in the Garden of Eden, before the appearance of sin and the appearance of death, the diet God prescribed for Adam and Eve did not include animal flesh. Meat was not a part of God's original dietary plan for the human family, and God in fact original dietary was clearly effective following this plan in fact, Methuselah lived for nine hundred and sixty nine years old. Look at Genesis chapter five verse twenty seven so what was what did God say originally? Genesis chapter one verse twenty nine I quote God said, See I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food Unquote. very very clearly it's a vegetarian diet right from the beginning now i know you're going to start to ask questions about meat well then the question might be let's anticipate that question when did god modify his original plan for humanity what restrictions did he then place on what people should eat and shouldn't eat after this modification let's try that well god clearly state that let's go to leviticus chapter 11 verse 3 i quote among the animals whatever divided the hoof having cloven hooves and chewing the curb that you may eat unquote. so it sounded like god had changed his dietary plans but he put an added animal flesh into it but he put restrictions of this animal flesh god made it clear that should people decide to eat animal flesh they should not eat the ones that are considered unclean and can only eat the ones that are clean and he gave a definition in leviticus chapter 11 verse 3 the ones that are unclean would have, for example, like pigs and rabbits and camels and horses and only animals that have a split hoof and animals that chew the curd are acceptable for human consumption. Well, we know pigs and rabbits and camels and horses do not chew the curd and they are considered animal flesh not suitable for human consumptions if we want to keep our body healthy and what are the ones that are considered clean well lamb beef are all considered clean animals that can be eaten now then there was a question that was raised that were the restrictions on eating unclean animals or the restrictions on animal flesh were they intended only for a select group of people perhaps the jewish people was that god's intention well let's have a look at Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, I quote, You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of that are unclean, a male and his female, unquote. Now, as this is going back to Noah, as far back as Noah's time, God clearly distinguished between clean and unclean animals. I mean, that was Noah was way before Jews were exist in existence way before Israel ever existed Jews didn't exist in Noah's days God told Noah to take only the ark only onto the ark seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal so what is God's intention well God's intention was not that the unclean animals would be eaten if they were the species in question would have become extinct God's instruction to Noah long before the first jew ever lived clearly shows that restrictions against eating unclean animals do not apply only to the select group of people called jewish people god's principles for honoring him and enjoying good health are for everyone not for a select group of people right now we're talking about and we talked about animals that's living on land what about animals that are in the sea that god says anything about those creatures that's living in water, any restrictions at all? Well, let's look at Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. I quote, These you may eat of all are in the water, whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But in but all in the areas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you." They are an abomination to you, Now, God is very specific about this. In an attempt to protect us from illness, from disease, God has specifically asked that anyone eating creatures that live in the water refrain from eating certain creatures. In fact, they were never intended to be food for human beings. These creatures are never intended. Anything without fins and without scales were not meant for human consumption. Filter feeders such as oysters and other shellfish have a very important role in an ecosystem. They are the garbage collectors of the waterways. They cleanse waterways by ingesting water and filtering out impurities. Same goes for lobsters and crabs and other bottom-feeding uh, creatures that cleanses the river and oceans of any dead matters. The same is true for catfish and other similar creatures. Notice all of these that were just quoted had no has no fins, neither do they have any scales. While they are not intended as food for people, these creatures perform an important task of helping cleanse the planet's water supply. They are the garbage collectors of the sea, in other words. And God is saying, don't eat garbage, essentially. And notice, though, what God said, that the eating of unclean animals is an abomination to you, unquote. Nowhere in the Bible did God ever declare something to be abomination that he later declared that no longer be an abomination. In other words, when God has defined something that is an abomination, God had never changed that position. God stated that unclean food is an abomination and had never ever reversed that declaration, declaration ever in the Bible. I know this is challenging for you and I know to some it may be counter-cultural or even counter-intuitive, but you see, sometimes the truth itself can be very painful and can be very challenging. And if we're looking for biblical truth, it is clearly stated in the Bible what we can eat and what we ought not to eat to keep a healthy body. That is. All right, we talked about animals on land. We talked about creatures on sea. Well, what about in the air? What does the Bible say about the things we can eat that flies or has wings, if you like? Let's have a look at it now. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 13, I quote, These you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzards, etc., etc. See in Leviticus chapter eleven, verse thirty-three, unquote, gave a whole list of birds that are an abomination to be eaten—birds of prey, in other words, and birds that feed on the flesh of dead animals are declared by God to be unclean. Well, that sounds logical, doesn't it? You've got a bird that chews on decaying food, and you then in turn eat that go- that bird. Why would you not think through that? Well, you wouldn't be eating decaying food, would you? Chickens and turkeys are considered as clean birds. Eagles, vultures, and other similar animals or similar birds are declared by God to be unclean. As clear as bell in the Bible. Now we've covered flesh, the air, the sea, the land. Now what about the infamous alcohol, the consumption of alcohol? Well, let's have a look. Let's see what the Bible calls this. And we can make a judgment call. Well, go to Proverbs chapter twenty, verse one. Proverbs chapter twenty-three, verse thirty-one to thirty-three, and I'll start with verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty. I quote: "Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise." Unquote. Clearly stated, clearly known. And let's go to Proverbs twenty-three. I quote. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see things and your heart will utter perverse things. This couldn't be clearer in the Bible. The Bible speaks very clearly. It speaks about the dangers of alcohol use. All right, while it's true that many people in the Bible drank alcohol, the Bible never portrays such alcohol use in a positive light. Bible figures also practice bigamy and own slaves. Yet such flawed behavior cannot be used to justify similar practices today. So the Bible is very clear about the effects of alcohol. It warns us about it. But then you will ask this question, I'm sure you would, because the Bible does say something and does encourage, or in fact almost talked about wine as a, A liquid that you drink quite normally in weddings, in parties. Why is that so? Is there a contradiction here then? suppose that's what I'm trying to say. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 8, I quote, As the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, Do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all." The Bible does talk about wine, the word wine, W-I-N-E. God permits his people to drink this wine. Now, this wine is that's found in the cluster. It means that the unfermented juice of the grape, grapes found in a cluster. Now, you get Some people would quote that, well, Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. Why is the Bible permitting that? And why would Jesus then do it? Well, this wedding feast at Canaan, which was described in John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, they say that, well, it must be a justification for drinking alcohol. Well, it's right. Uh, Jesus did turn water into wine, but there's nothing in the story, in a Bible story, that suggests that Jesus created alcohol rather than grape juice. It would be clearly inconsistent for Jesus to inspire Bible writers to speak strongly against alcohol use and then create gallons of alcohol to be consumed at the wedding feast. That would be inconsistent, and Bible is never inconsistent. In essence, in that story in Canaan, in that wedding feast at Canaan, that Jesus turned that water into wine, that wine is fresh, unfermented, beautiful grape juice, not alcoholic wine. All right, now let's tackle something that's perhaps even more controversial, smoking, use of tobacco. Does the Bible say anything about it? Well, in the Bible, there's an inference that says you shall not murder. This is chapter 20, verse 13. Reliable science reveals that every cigarette smoked causes tremendous harm to the human body and mind. This is indisputable. Cigarette smoking causes harm. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the States, of lung cancer and many other diseases are caused by inhaling smoke into your lungs. This has caused intentional and significant harm to the temple of the Holy Spirit called your body. This has and will cause significant harm to God's dwelling place. This cannot possibly be construed as giving glory to God, can it? when you intentionally cause harm to your body through inhaling smoke. And when we stay healthy, it also gives us the energy, the passion and in fact the, the strength to keep on keeping on. Just as an athlete trains and prepares wholeheartedly in his or her pursuit of a prize that will be one day be perished. The Christian should also strive to prepare in every possible way to receive God's great gift of everlasting life because we have a long way to go. We have to keep on keeping on and in order to do that, we need to have the passion, the energy and and indeed the intention to keep on keeping on. To do that, we need to keep a healthy mind, healthy body and healthy spirit. 1 Corinthians 4 9 verse 24 and 25, I quote, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who, completes for, or who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable 44. crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Unquote. So in short what it means is in order to win we've got to keep on keeping on, and we want to make sure that we have a healthy body to sustain this race. In the early on we talked about glorifying God with our bodies and let's now look at what great biblical principle reminds us of the importance of honoring God with our bodies. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I quote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, unquote. While salvation does not come through adhering to health principles, we've got to be clear about that, salvation comes only through faith in Jesus, but those who have faith in Christ will Want to honor Him in every way possible. When you are grateful, when you trust, and when you have faith in someone, you want to do everything to honor Him, to glorify Him. As we honor God with our bodies and also yield to Him our minds, He can fill us with His presence and communicate with us more clearly. This could not be clearer than that. Healthy body, clear mind, enables communication. An example of this principle is found in the book of Daniel. Captured from his home in Jerusalem, the teenaged Daniel refused to eat the unhealthy food set before him by King Nebuchadnezzar. Even though in doing so he knew he could incur the king's wrath, and perhaps a king might be so annoyed that will have him beheaded. Yet he stuck to his principles of health healthy living, by keeping a vegetarian-based diet. As a result of his faithfulness, God blessed Daniel and his friends to be the ten times better than the rest of the wise men in Babylon. You can see this in Daniel 1, verse 20. Daniel, who conscientiously, conscientiously honored God with his body, was blessed by God to receive some of the greatest prophetic messages ever shared by God with the human family. So keep a healthy mind, keep a healthy body, and we will continue to run the race and connect with the Lord. We know, we know there are so many temptations out there, particularly with today's cuisines, today's television programs about food. There's so much out there. So where can a person then find strength to adopt a strict set of health principles recommended by God? Well, there's only one sure way. Philippines, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, unquote. We can run this race through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our Body is. God is well able to not only provide strength to make changes in our lives, but also to be the strength we need to live lives that are entirely committed to God's glory. What seems impossible to us in our human weakness is always and easily possible with God in His divine strength. So we call on God to help us. God is able to help anyone to enjoy the blessings that come from following his principles for good health. So before we finish, let me ask you this question. Are you willing to surrender your life to God and accept his principles for better physical and spiritual health? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure in the quietness of your heart, you would say yes. I mean, there are 4.5 trillion reasons why the health industry is as big as it is now so i pray that you too will understand the biblical principles behind having a healthy body god bless